Hello and welcome to another edition of Backroom Football Talk Show. I'm here with Oscar and Gio again, midweek recording for this one. How are we doing, guys? What's up, Ricky? I'm doing good. Gio, good to see you, man. Yeah, you too, man. We're we're doing pretty well here. I've been I've been locked into actually uh, at the NHL. It's a free agency day today, so it's I'm oh, glad yeah. that I can mix mix in some soccer today because uh, I've been missing it. Honestly, refreshing. Anyways, you know who is doing well though, Gio, in the market, Chelsea again. And we <laughs> had to start like with a... Chelsea, didn't we? No, okay, let's not start with Chelsea. We'll go into it later. <laughs> I mean, you already let's, mentioned it. Let's no. Let's this start is with a... someone who is also doing kind of well in the market. This is uh, like we'll Rick, how... this is like uh, this is your catchphrase, Ricky. It's always guess who's doing well in the market. <laughs> guess who's doing well, well. The thing is, I said it when we thought we signed Rafinha, and then that kind of bit me in my behind later but we because we didn't but let's talk about Rafinha then because Barca is also doing pretty well so far we'll see what the aftermath uh brings to them but Rafinha is now a Barca player um he was announced today and I just want to kind of go into obviously Xavi has other transfer targets all right that are still yet to be official one is Dembele that's going to happen on a two-year deal apparently so let's take that one into account and then obviously Lewandowski um but now, just just thinking about that and what we think it's close right now, so excluding Lewandowski, how does the attack look? We have Ansu Fati, we have Ferran, uh, Rafinha, Dembele, Aubameyang, Depay, Braithwaite, if you, you want to count him in that. Um, so, <laughs> are, yeah, how is, that, how is it shaping up and who do you think is going to finish the transfer window, a Barca player, um, or who's going to leave? Oscar, let's start with you. Well, I think the attack is looking ready to go for next season, even if uh, they don't end up signing Robert Lewandowski from Bayern this uh, year, regardless if he goes or not next year as a, as a free transfer. But with Rafinha's uh, signing, I think it adds an extra good player in attack. It's not that they didn't have because they already had Dembele, Ferran Torres, Aubameyang, and all the guys you, got, you just mentioned, Ricky. But... It's a great addition, I think. Now, it's going to be a headache for Xavi, though, because who is he going to play? I mean, Dembele was arguably your best attacking player last season. Rafinha, you just signed him for almost £70 million. Pounds. I doubt he's going to be on the bench. So, any Robert Lewandowski might arrive. So, it's going to be, as I said, a headache for, for Xavi to see who he ends up playing in his front three. And this is the thing. So, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Rafinha cost almost seven, 70 million euros. So, like, he's not going to go and sit on the bench for the whole season or be a, a, a super sub even. Like, he's going to want to start, right? And, and this is where the headache comes for Xavi because you could take it into account that Lewandowski comes in, right? If he doesn't, I think Depay stays at the club and is going gonna, is gonna to rotate with Aubameyang in that center forward position. But if not, you got Ansu Fati who can play on the left um, and then Ferran who can play on the left. You got Depay and Aubameyang who can play in the center forward position. Aubameyang can even help you on the left sometimes. So, so can Depay. And then you got Dembele and Rafinha who are going to alternate on that right wing. So how, how do you, how would you, how would you, Go go around that um, good problem to have. Obviously, it's a great problem to have for for Xavi. But how would you go around that? And and who would you would you sell someone now that Lewandowski is probably coming in? Well, first off, um, Ricky. Here he goes. I, uh, there he goes. There he goes. <laughs> 
I love the way you say Rafinha's name. You know, the way you roll that R. It's very, very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Rafinha. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. It's beautiful. Um, but yes, in, uh, in all seriousness, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting situation. Like Oscar was saying, it's, I think it's going to definitely, um, you know, not necessarily cause him headaches, but I know Chavi's going to have to definitely um, kind of see how he wants to rotate this around. I was a little bit surprised that they closed with uh, Rafinha at that cost, just given the fact that it, that they're arguably their best right winger, uh, best player, Dembele from last season is, is going to, you know, renew his contract. So yeah, there's definitely going to be some, and like you said, I mean, they can move some guys around. I also really, really like the pie a lot. Um, yes. I think he's a fantastic number nine. Um, quite honestly, I don't, I know Lewandowski's, you know, a generational talent, but you know, I, I'd be pretty comfortable with Barcelona if I just missed out on, on Lewandowski and, and built around a guy like Depay, just cause I think he's, he's that great. Um, and that good of a player. Um, so yeah, it, it, honestly, in a way, I kind of feel like Barcelona is a little bit aimless um, with their market right now. It kind of seems like they're kind of trying to close on the big names that come up and, you know, trying to bolster their attack. But, you know, in situations like this, I think you it's nice to have players that can move to different positions. Like you were saying, Aubameyang can supplement on the left, Dembele can move to the middle. But I don't know if I'm going to build a team like this, I kind of want to make sure that I supplement my positions with or my players um, in the proper positions and not have too many guys playing out of what they're comfortable with. Um, so, I mean, I like Rafinha as a player. I think he's a good player. Kind of see it as a bit of a head-scratching um, acquisition at that cost. Um, but, you know, they do it. They do have versatility in their attack, so I can they can move things around. But like Oscar was saying, I find it a bit odd, just given that Dembele is probably on his, on his way back and and you know you know you know what i think is the problem uh for me and i i agree with you Joe. i think the pie is i mean i'm a big fan of the pie i've always been a big fan of the pie um but he's probably going to be the the odd man out if lewandowski comes in right he's not going to be the third player on that left wing or third option he's not going to be the third option in the middle he's going to go somewhere right i i was well some reports have linked him to sevilla um as a kind of um, 30, I, I think it was 35 million plus the pie to Sevilla for Jules Kunde. I think that would be a great piece of business for Barcelona, except for the fact that I don't want the pie. I think the pie should be valued a little more. You know, if, if anything, I would sell Aubameyang before the pie. That's my for own sure. personal opinion. My own I personal agree. opinion. But then that's 100%. the thing that is, is the pie like, or, or are the center forwards willing to wait the whole summer? Because apparently Lewandowski is willing to wait until August to see if he can close a move to Barcelona, right? And if he is able, if he's doing that, then that means that Depay won't know or will be uncertain about his future until Lewandowski's signing is kind of resolved. And that's where I don't think, um, I think I, if I'm, if I'm Depay, I'm, I'm looking for a way out of Barcelona, you know, because you know that Lewandowski is going to be number one priority. No, as, uh, as you were saying, Ricky, I think that uh, Depay is going to end up like leaving the club, but I think he's just waiting on seeing what happens with Lewandowski, you know, and speaking about the whole Lewandowski subject, uh, I agree with what Gio said. I mean, if you're going to like try to find replacements for your players or squad rotation for your players, 
you have to do it in positions, you know, because we're speaking about Lewandowski and Lewandowski arriving, generational talent, and yeah, he is. But let's not forget that Barcelona signed Aubameyang in January, and Aubameyang had a big impact at the club. So, yeah, I know he's like 32, 33 years old, but I think he's even younger than Lewandowski, and I don't yeah. see why Barcelona would like to get rid of him, you know, or would like to drop him to the bench. I mean, obviously, having Lewandowski is having Lewandowski, but... Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so let's say Lewandowski doesn't come in, right? Then you you probably keep the pie and you and you keep uh, Aubameyang, and that's going to be your your number one and number two options. I think Aubameyang would probably be prioritized by Xavi. But then, what what is the pie doing staying at Barcelona for a uh, playing second fiddle to to Aubameyang? You know, I think yeah. he should uh, he should definitely look for a way out now, even though even if Lewandowski's uh, signing isn't resolved yet, you know, and and you know who was interested in him. Tommy well, Tuchel from Chelsea. Yeah, I bet he was. Yeah, I bet he was. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big fan, just like I am, you know? That's actually, that's actually a great... I honestly think that, like, you guys are are right on this one with Depay. I think Depay, although I like him, and I think for Barcelona should like him and not be so infatuated by Lewandowski, um, I can kind of see it making a lot of sense for all the parties. You know, they're a young team, Barcelona, in terms of like, or they have a lot of young players, rather. And then you got a guy like Lewandowski, who's a, you know, a certified winner, is uh, still at the top of his game. I think it's a nice squad balance for Barcelona. But if I, you're right, if I'm the pie, I'm going to be talking to my agent and saying, let's prepare something, a move out of here where I know that I'm going to get, you know, all the things that I want to get. I want to be a starter. I hopefully want to get Champions League football. Uh, and I actually, you know, I know no, I'm not just saying this because um, you're obsessed with the Blues, but I think Chelsea would be a good spot for him, really. Well, I, mean, I think everyone's speaking. Spot for him. Everyone's speaking about Barcelona's attack, Barcelona's midfield, but I mean, we're all forgetting that they need to strengthen their defense as well. Yes. Well, and I, if you I think, think about they it, prioritize I mean, that at the moment. So, that's where Jules so Koundé comes in for me. Yeah, yeah, but, but let's the, talk about the, that. Let's talk the, about that. The thing so, I mean, is, is they gonna sign? Are they gonna sign Kunde though? I think Kunde. Yeah, yes. Good point. I think Kunde is gonna end up at Barcelona. I don't know who if there are gonna be any players going the opposite direction, but Kunde is gonna end up at Barca. I think so. Um, he's not gonna stay at Sevilla, hundred percent. I, I definitely don't think he's gonna stay. Um, and then the only options that he has right now are Chelsea or Barca, and it seems like he's. It's the same case as Rafinha. He's prioritizing Barcelona over Chelsea, over anybody else, really. And I think he's also willing to wait as long as it takes for him to secure that that move. Yeah, just to finish off on on Barcelona, um, I think that's I think honestly because right there, you add in Jules Koundé, you have five quality center backs to choose from, um, and you have a pretty good setup. You know, you obviously your starters I think long term are going to be Araujo and 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 Koundé. You have a really nice balance if you bring in Kunde because you have a young guy like Kunde, a young guy like Araujo, a very young guy like Garcia, and then you have two veterans there in, in PK and Christensen. So, but why don't we chat about why Kunde is looking at Barcelona instead of Chelsea? Well, yes, Reports and I'm about report. to tell you why. Well, let's, Ricky. Why don't well, you uh, Why don't okay, you lead so us off on why? Let's go. Let's go back let's go way back here so Kunde was always a big big person of interest for Chelsea um he from the last transfer Who market, is it? well from a I'm year ago person of interest yeah <laughs> yeah you guys are interested so, with everybody let me finish you <laughs> <laughs> so yes obviously um 
Chelsea is very much interested, especially in the last window. Um, then Tuco arrived, and then obviously you know that Marina, who used to used to lead all the negotiations, uh, and Peter Shek, everybody knows who that is. Uh, he was being a, a technical advisor for the club, so they were both very interested in Joel Skunde. But that's that's their target. Tuco was never really. I mean, obviously he would he would have taken him, but it wasn't his first choice. It wasn't his um, number one target. His number one target was Matthias uh, Delict from Juve. So, and then obviously Kulevali and now Nathan Ake is also coming into the picture. But um, that's where Jules Kunde kind of stopped being a target for Chelsea as soon as they left. There, there hasn't been a second offer or a third offer, I would say, um, since Marina and Peter Shek left the club. They, have, they haven't done another offer. So that must mean, obviously, they also know that Kunde prioritizes signing for Barcelona, right? But now... And, and thank you for, for bringing Chelsea up. This time, it, it didn't have to be me. Um, Raheem Sterling signed. already had his first training session. He's in LA already for preseason under Tuchel. And then you have Nathan Ake, who's a big link. Talks are ongoing for him. Koulibaly was signed today. Paperworks are all done. So he just needs to meet up with the team and be officially unveiled. But he's a done deal for 40 million euros, which I'm going to ask you guys in a bit what you think about that. You also have a new link in Presnel Kimpembe from uh, PSG, right? Who is also a Juventus target. But that's why, that's why, that's why Joe Skunde is no longer really focused on signing for Chelsea. I think both parts have lost interest in each other. For 40 million, Joe Skunde, age 31, I think it's actually not a bad price, you know? Koulibaly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I think I think it's good. I think it's a good price, but also you got to think it's tw- it's now 2022. When he was at his best was definitely around 2016, 2017 um and which is when, you know, he his value was probably 100 mil, right? So Gio, what do you think about that? I know you are more of a Serie A expert than than we are. Um you think it's you think how do you think he's going to do in the Premier League? All right? And um and what sort of uh impact could he have at Chelsea? So, in my opinion, Koulibaly is still one of the very best center backs um, in for, in in the Serie A to this day. Um, you know, he's he's extremely dominant um, when he played for for Napoli. Um, he's a perfect guy, in my opinion, to lead a line. He's very he's got good leadership skills. Um, he's very strong physically. He's a smart player, and I think he just brings this element on the pitch where. You know, you kind of feel confident with him. You know, you look back there and there's like that 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 guardian back there, that guy who, you know, kind of gives the, the team this kind of calm feeling that, you know, okay, we've got things under control with uh, with Koulibaly back there. So I'm a huge fan of the player. I think he's, a, I still think he's a fantastic elite, elite center back. Um, but let's go back to one of our previous podcasts when we were talking initially about Kulubali possibly being linked to, to Chelsea. Uh, and I know Ricky and I were kind of weighing up whether or not this was a possibility or not. And for me, my opinion was at the time was that Kulubali would be a great fit at Chelsea because, look, Thiago Silva is still a great talent. I mean, he's, a, he's an elite center back, but, you know, one thing you can't, can't control is age and he's getting up there. Um, so in what I kind of initially had thought is that Koulibaly would be a perfect transitional piece for the center back position at Chelsea. I think once Thiago Silva kind of ages himself out at Chelsea, which very well could be at the end of this season, 
um, or next season. I mean, he's right up there in age. He might want to, he, I, I could see him kind of going down the, um, you know, the Di Maria route or even like going back to, to Brazil and playing for a boyhood club very soon. He's, he's getting up there. Um, so I think Koulibaly would be a perfect pivot as your kind of veteran center back that you could then supplement with a young center back, whether that is, I personally think now, given that the signing of Koulibaly, Ake makes a lot more sense um, in that kind of thing. I think Ake and Koulibaly can kind of grow together and Koulibaly can kind of be that figure, um, that kind of veteran figure. Uh, but now I, I'm honestly got to be honest. I don't really understand the Kim Pembe um, link. So if they add, let's hypothetically say they add Kim Pembe. If I'm Ake and that actually happens, I have no interest in going to Chelsea anymore because like I'm just going into another rotational situation that I'm in at City. I think yeah. Pembe might be an alternative to Ake because I, I don't see why possibly Tuchel would like to have two left-footed center backs. Yeah, yes, exactly. and, and so and so this is it. So so and this is what I mean. So so before we go into Ake or Kimpembe, um, which I kind of agree with with you guys, I think uh, Kimpembe is an alternative. But before we go into that. Um, with Koulibaly. So he's always played um, mainly in a four-man back line most of the time or, or his best years as a left center back. Um, but now Chelsea's most likely going to play in a three-man back line. Can he do it on the right side? Because Thiago Silva is 100% not going to play on that right side, uh, right center back position. He's going to be in the middle. And then on that left side, you're either going to have Ake or Kimpembe, whoever one comes in or if they both come in when one of those is going to play there. So I don't think Koulibaly would, I think he would play on the, on the right side, you know? I mean, I think he obviously can, if he's right footed, you can play either in the middle or, or on the right. The problem will be playing in the left, which I don't see why he would have any trouble adapting to that position as well. But yeah, as you were saying, I think he can definitely play on the right. I just don't see, and this kind of goes back to like the conversation that we just had about Rafinha. Like, why? Like, why are you going? Like, why did you sign Kulubali? And then, it, so let's say that's the, the 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 route that they go down. In my opinion, I don't think it makes a lot of sense because you get Kulubali. You know he's left footed. You know he's comfortable there. You know that's where he's played his whole career and now you're kind of getting him and being like well let's hope that he can play on the right side and then we can slot Ake in I, I don't know I just don't I think if you're this is where I think it kind well, of this is where so, so sorry so this I think this is where you what you're saying comes into play so Koulibaly is a transition so that when Thiago leaves he can maybe take that center um, role in the middle of that three-man back line um, and obviously at times I think Chelsea is going to use four at the back and that's where he would probably slot into that left center back position alongside Thiago Silva and going into Nathan Ake yes you're right Gio so like he if if I mean obviously now seeing and reading the reports I would I would be hesitant to go to Chelsea now because is is Kimpembe better or not just better but valued at a higher higher rate than Nathan Ake for in in, in Thomas Tuchel's eyes because he already had him at PSG he was very much a starter alongside Marquinhos most of the time. And sometimes Marquinhos would use uh, the CDM position, center defensive midfielder. And then Kimpembe would be in the back with Thiago, right? So I, I think that Tuco does value the player a lot as they, as they say that he values 
Nathan Ake. So I really don't know which one he's going to prefer if both of them come in. I mean, I think it's uh, they're both players with very similar profiles. You know, I think mm-hmm. their style of playing, it's very similar. It's, it's uh, not so different at all. So I think if I'm Tuchel, I'll probably incline more for for Kimpembe because of the fact that he already trained him in previous years. But at the same time, it makes you think, you know, because all the rumors are focused on Nathan Ake. Okay, so here's the question. Gio, why would Nathan Ake value staying at Manchester City over going to Chelsea if, and, and I'm, say, I'm, I'm thinking, if they both come in, say Kimpembe and Nathan Ake come in, Nathan Ake is still probably going to get more minutes for Chelsea than he's going to get for Manchester City. Yeah, possibly. Um, but for me, the way that like that I would look at it is I really think that Ake believes that he can like carve his way into the Man City starting lineup. I think he believes that. Um, whether or not that's that's a possibility or not. Um, but the thing for me is is that like okay, he's still going to be a rotational guy at Chelsea with all those with all those center backs there, um, and he's not going to have Champions League football. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, or sorry, he's not going to have, um, a shot at the, at the title as he would like with Man City and the shot at the Champions League title. I don't think, I mean, who knows? Maybe Chelsea does have a shot, but Man City, they're a favorite for the CL and a favorite for the EPL. Um, so quite honestly, I I don't know. I mean, if I'm Akin, I'm thinking, okay, I want to make that move to a different club. I would look for a club where I would be a starter and not like a, a guaranteed starter and not just go to a very similar situation. Is Chelsea better than Man City for him to play right now? Marginally, yes. But if I'm Kim Pem, or sorry, if I'm so many names, if I'm okay <laughs> and I'm going to make a move now and like this is going to be the move that I make, I'm 27 years old, I'm right in my prime, I want to be the guy. I don't want to just go to a very similar situation where. I'm going to have to share the time with, especially with a, a bunch of veteran guys that will probably, that will probably get, um, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Probably get a little bit more benefit of the doubt, especially in, in key situations. So if it's a tough one for Ake. I think he's, if they, but then again, if Kimpembe is a, is a, is a um, alternative, then we're talking about a very different situation. I, mean, I think he's a player. I think the player has to weigh his options, you know, because, I mean, Gio, we're speaking about uh, Nathan Ake trying to be the main guy, but uh, at which top club in the Premier League or across Europe can he be the main guy? I mean, because every, every big team at the moment has, like, their main guy as a center back. So, I, like, what I, the only team that comes to my mind would probably be uh, Tottenham or a lower level club, you know, and I don't know if he would be open to the idea of moving to a lower level club. And there are not even rumors. I think yeah. I think it has to be Chelsea or or staying at City. I don't think I'm going anywhere else. If he believes he can be a starter, then so be it. But I think at Chelsea he would definitely be um, or have have more minutes than at Manchester City. Um, okay, so let's let's move on from that one though. Let's move on from Chelsea. Um, we're going to go into Manchester United because earlier this week, Eric Ten Hag was uh, questioned about who would be the new captain if there was going to be a new captain at Manchester United. Obviously, you got big names in the dressing room like David De Gea, like Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes. So, like, 
people were wondering, are you going to come in and give the captaincy to someone else? And he said, no, Maguire is my captain. He's, uh, he's experienced. He's an established captain here. And he's had success with the club over the years. I don't know what he meant by that. Nobody knows what he meant by that. But because um, <laughs> to be honest, a lot of success, not really. Um, what do we think about this? And more importantly, like, what do you think makes a good captain? Why? What should be the, pros, the process when picking a new captain uh, in a dressing room? And uh, yeah, pretty much. What do you think about the whole thing? Gio, let's start with you. Yeah, I think the captaincy in Europe, in, in like in European soccer specifically, I find to be quite a fascinating one. I think a lot of times you'll see different kind of methods that clubs use for selecting their captain. I think there's obviously something to say about the longest tenured player, especially if you're a more storied club. Um, you know, if you have a guy that's been around, you know, his whole career, you know, I you can look at Francesco Totti, you can look at, you know, Daniele De Rossi, you can look at, you know, Gerard, um, and guys like that, right? So there's obviously that kind of sentimental attachment to uh to having the captaincy and but at the same time too i think you know there are guys that are true born leaders and there are guys that are simply not right and there's they like that's a very intangible trait to a player um like in my opinion i think kulubali is like a natural born leader that's why i really like him for chelsea um but if in terms of a process of selecting a captain i think the, there's two things that i would use as my criteria One of them, of course, is commitment to the club. Um, you know, there's, for example, I would never, ever, ever give a guy like Zaniolo the armband uh, if we're talking about Roma, just because I know that, like, there's certain players that have different ambitions and that are kind of give you that feeling of their one foot in, one foot out kind of thing. I want a guy that's fully committed to the process, to committed to the project of the club. And the second thing is, honestly, I think that if, at least if I'm running an organization, the way to select a captain is, is simply to do a team vote. I think, you know, going and, and speaking amongst the executives to have the final decision is great. But I think if you're going into a locker room, those guys in there um, on the pitch, in the room, you know, out at dinner, that kind of stuff, they know who the leaders are. And I think that's probably your best process in terms of selecting, in the, selecting a captain. Um, and I think it has to be within the walls of the team to really select I think the best, uh, the best man for that job. All right, I'll I'll tell you. I'll give you a piece of my mind later, Gio. After Oscar goes, um, get ready. <laughs> All righty, let's hear it. Well, I agree with Gio with some of his points, and I want to further add some other points that I uh, wrote down here. And I actually have three. So, for a captain to be selected at a club, I think it's important to see the time period he's been at the club. Because I don't think somebody that has been in a club for 10 years would feel comfortable giving the armband to somebody who's been in the club six months, you know, regardless mm -hmm. of, of the impact he, he has on and off the pitch. And I think that's where you compliment, you know, because my other point was going to be the influence that you have on and off the pitch. I would never give the armband to a guy who goes partying or is seen drinking a beer or drinking alcohol partying every weekend because i mean it just doesn't speak uh that your team is doing things seriously you know and my third point would be locker rooms respect 
I think that's that's massive. And uh, an example of this can be uh, like what Manchester City have done with Ruben Diaz. So I think Ruben Diaz arrived at the club two years ago, and I think he's now considered one of the top four captains. But that's because he's earned the locker, locker's room respect. And also, he has a big influence on the Man, on Man City team when he plays. So Okay, so I think, I think, I think that just mentioning Ruben Diaz now, that's a case of what Gio mentioned, right? Natural born leaders. So that guy came in, you, he was a starter. You can tell that he's good, number two. So like you said, the respect of the other players, you know, so he's obviously a quality, quality center back. When you're a center back, you have to lead the line. All right. So it's, it's part of his, I don't know, he's, he's got that in his locker, right? So that, those, those are all key points. Um, I do agree with you. Um, on most of them, Oscar, Gio, um, I think the, the team vote is trash, rubbish. Why? Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. I think that's a popularity contest. I don't think it's, it's how you should do it. Like it's, uh, if, if you come in and you say, yeah, everybody vote who, who you think should be the captain. Obviously, if you take it a little bit seriously, you are, you're going to take the guys that have been there the most, maybe play play the best or the most games or whatever. Um, but you're always going to be a bit biased as to how you feel about that guy. You know, I bet the young guys at United don't really, some of them might not really like Ronaldo, you know, apparently like, you know, the comments that he went out to the press and said, yeah, when I was younger here, I wanted to learn from skulls, gigs and all these guys. And now uh, as the young players now, when you say something to them, trying to trying to give them advice, they just take it as criticism and they don't really listen. They don't want anybody to talk. So, like, I think that would affect me. If I'm a youngster, I'm probably going to be affected by that. So it's it's one of the points that I mean. Like, it's, it's, it's a popularity contest and I, I don't really like it. Um, I think it's good and, and sort of related to that could be just being observant to how players think about other players or maybe talk to some players individually um, to see how to kind of get a scope of what is their general feeling about a certain player in the locker room. But I don't, I wouldn't do a team vote. You know, I think um, one of the big, big ones for me is, is tenure. So like whoever's been there the longest, if you take United right now, that would probably be David De Gea. You know, he's also a player that's going to start every game. He's pretty much going to offer you a good level every single game of the season. Um, one of the best players of the club, respected by the fans and the team. So I think that is a an obvious option for me. You know, um, that's who I would have as captain right now. But then it brings it brings up the question: Why has Maguire been the captain this whole time? And there's been four different coaches since he arrived. You know, and none of them have changed the captaincy. I think a, a lot of people. Um in my opinion, with with Man United, I think they've had a lot of the coaches that have come in. I mean, like Man United has been pretty terrible for a while now. And I think a lot of guys come in there. And I think that's honestly something that might be on the back burner is kind of selecting the captain moving forward. I think for those coaches that have been there, I think a lot of these managers that have come and gone, you know, there's so much to work through when you take over man United, like I don't even know where to start. Like there's, there's so many issues there that I think choosing the captaincy, although sounds like something important, I think there's a lot more important things to solve with that team before you can kind of select your captain. Uh, I don't think it should be Harry Maguire at all. 
Um, I don't think Maguire is a very good player. I think he's overrated. Um, and I'm honestly not a huge fan of his personality either uh, at all. <laughs> um, so that's that's my opinion on Maguire. But in terms of the team boat thing, Ricky, um, first off, screw you. Uh, <laughs> <just kidding>. um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think I think honestly, I mean, you bring up some good points. I think you have to kind of gauge the maturity of your locker room to the maturity of your team. I mean, if you're a team that's loaded with youngsters, like for example, maybe that that process wouldn't be very good at Barcelona, where you have so many young guys. Um, you know, and if if you can really sense that there's kind of a maturity issue, and I, as we know. Ten, Eric Ten Hag has implemented a bunch of new rules, and Oscar alluded to this last episode. He probably came in and saw a lot of things that he didn't like, and that is why maybe he's implemented these rules, whether we agree with them or, no, or don't agree with them. Yeah, but that just means that he's he's okay with Maguire being the captain, or he likes Maguire as a captain. Yeah, no, I mean maybe he does. Maybe he does. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not saying uh, he probably looks at Maguire, maybe he likes the way he's at training, maybe he likes the way he plays. I'm not a huge I'm not high on Maguire by any means whatsoever. I think it probably should be a guy like Ronaldo, but um that's the thing. Maybe maybe you're maybe you're short of options and that's the that's the thing. Exactly. You know? Cause, exactly. Cuz then you got okay, so I have four personalities within that club that for me would be if you have to put Maguire in there I have four one is David De Gea uh one is Maguire obviously Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandez so what's the what's happening so Ronaldo is asking to leave you can't have him be the the captain after that you know true um, very and then true. when he yeah. when he was coming in you couldn't have him be the captain because Ranick didn't know how much he was going to play him so you can't have him as the captain then you have Bruno yeah. Fernandez who came off uh two great seasons with United or one and a half great seasons with United being the key player most important player and he probably should have been the number one choice if you want an outfield player to be the captain right because this is the thing with some, some coaches don't like the keeper being the captain you know keepers can't really communicate with their team too much uh, for for most of the of the game you know um and then david de gea obviously um i have no issues with the keepers being captain and i would i would i would have him be the number one captain but then um, this begs the question. So, Oscar, what do you think about Maguire? Because everybody likes to kind of, you know, dismiss Maguire as a as a good center back. But you got to think of his Leicester days and why he was signed. So the guy is capable of performing at a higher level, you know. So maybe this is why he still has the respect of some people. We don't see Maguire in training, you know. Maybe he's one of those players that kind of underperforms uh on the weekend but then in training has the best attitude is pushing everybody else you know so the, these must all all be factors i think this just my allude to what i just said that uh, what if he has the lockers in respect yeah i mean that that could play a huge factor you know because i mean honestly if we see the guy play week in week out he's bad but yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> yeah brutal i mean he, this <laughs> <laughs> guy's yeah, a city fan him. okay he's a city fan no 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 Let, let's be honest <laughs> speaking from a from a neutral point of view i don't think the guy is the best center back not even at that club but if he has the locker room respect i mean why take the armband off if, it, if you don't know if that's going to cause any more trouble 
in the locker room. It's a good point. That's a good point. So my 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 feeling here is that eventually there will be a, a new captain, and and uh, Eric Ten Hag just doesn't want to mess with the team's dynamic right now in preseason. Like you can't come in and the first thing you do is strip this guy off his captaincy. You know, I think it might just be a natural thing. So what if uh, during the season Maguire all of a sudden becomes a sub? And he's not starting anymore. Then you've kind of, you've kind of just n- now you didn't have to do anything. You simply didn't play him, and now De Gea is finds himself wearing the the armband for most of the season, you know, or Bruno Fernandez. Well, I also think that there's an element too of like, and maybe this is more. Pro- you guys can tell me, but this might be more prominent in like Serie A and some of the other leagues. But I think there's like a real factor of like a guy who is either from that city on that team or, or from that country that is like a, a, a bit of a, a, it might not, it's not necessarily the only factor. I think there's a lot of things that play into it, but you look at some of these like captains, for example, in Serie A, like Roma for the longest time, aside from Jekyll for a short period of time, all Roman born captains who we went from Totti to Rossi to Pellegrini. Yeah. You know, you look at some of these other teams, Bonucci is the captain of, of, um, of uh, really? of Juventus, uh, Quagliarella, who's been at Sampdoria forever, Italian guy, is the cap is the captain there. Um, you know, Ciro Immobile is the captain of the the second team in Rome. So basically, there's <laughs> there's the, I feel like there's a there's a lot of that uh, there, or not necessarily a lot of that, but that could be a factor as well as kind of someone that the fans can embrace too. That's yeah, another important yeah. aspect. They've got to be yeah. relatable to the fans. And that's one thing where, like, I don't think Maguire really has it. But you think about this. So, for example, um, Mark Noble at West Ham, you know, been there for more than 15 years, you know, legend at the club. Obviously, he doesn't play all the games. He doesn't start most games. So who's the captain? Declan Rice. How? Why? Why is it Declan Rice? Is he a leader? Like, he's 22, I want to say. So he's the youngest guy, obviously, heavily linked to big names, big clubs. Very, very talented. I'm not saying he's not talented, but is he like? Should he be the captain? You know, like, like what comes into that decision is what is is my my question here. You know, and then you go, you see Manchester think, City, for example. It's De Bruyne. De Bruyne is just is simply the best player. I don't know. Like he he seems he doesn't seem like he's a very talkative leader, but everybody plays in the ball everybody knows that when he's playing well the team plays well so it's kind of like messi being captain you know he's not going to be uh dictating where to play and and how to play but when you give you give him the ball he's your leader on like with the ball you know so that's that's kind of a big factor too um and then obviously well i mean oscar what are you what were you going to add i mean i think we can go into this debate forever but <laughs> like going to your declan <laughs> rice example i think and this is not only an example of Declan Rice, but you can see it from other players in other countries as well, like Xavi, Iniesta. You got to know the, the club to be a captain. And that, that's a pure example of yeah. Declan Rice. He was constructed yeah. in Leeds. He was formed in the lead basic academies. So he knows the club. Yeah. So regardless yeah. of his age, if you know the club and you know how the club works, you're going to be a captain, you know? All right. Well, well Oscar, a, yeah. Oscar is clearly... Uh, Clearly tired of of talking about this, um, so we're gonna move on. We're gonna. Move He's right on. though. It could go. It could First go on forever. It could it really go on could. forever. We're gonna keep it nice and short. Um, okay, let's move on to Tottenham um, and uh, Antonio Conte. So he's been questioned uh, or some or criticized by many people about 
his fitness drill that he ran with Tottenham. All right. So uh, within 24 hours, Tottenham had three training sessions. Uh, and on the third training session, to finish off, he had all the players do run 42 pitch lengths. Um, at uh, They're in South Korea right now. And then you had, obviously, you had some of them not last the whole 42 runs. Um, you could see Sonny and Harry Kane kind of collapsing and having to, you know, take a, take a bit of a breather and vomit even. So it's, it's tough. All right. And then, and then Conte has been known for this. He's been known for the tough preseasons, both at Juve with Chelsea at Inter, you know, um, is this, is this justified? Like who sh- should he be going this hard on his players in preseason? Um, Gio, what do you, what do you think? No, he's an idiot for that. <laughs> honestly, I, I, mean, I don't. I actually, for as an Italian guy, like as an Italian fan and stuff, I actually don't really like Conte. I just think he's full of it. He's a, a winner. He's areas. a winner. It works. He he's a guy that he'll jump ship as soon as he gets a better opportunity. He'll leave you in the yes, dust. But um, he'll, <laughs> he'll turn you into a winner, though. Okay, like we, he's done it the, everywhere. I'm not. I'm not going to take away the fact that he's won and he's won in a lot of different places. But that's a conversation for a deeper dive into another day. Maybe another episode. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> um, maybe that's something we could talk about because I've got opinions on that too. But nonetheless, speaking about this, I, I again, this this kind of falls into not the same but a similar category for me with what we saw with Ten Hag and his stupid rules. Like, yeah. what the hell are you? are you getting out of this? These guys are not improving their fitness by you doing this to them. That like you run the risk of injury. Um, you um, obviously like the bird, like at, there's a certain point and I'm sure I would love to hear like a more medical sports science view of this. Cause I think that would be really helpful to kind of see. Um, but I just don't see that like running guys into the ground at that severity. Like I, I could, if he took away like 30 to 40% of that, the guys would have had still a very hard workout. They would have been exhausted by the end of it. They would have, you know, um, done a whole lot of cardio and, and have, you know, prepared well. The things that he's adding there, I think he's just doing it to kind of either kind of flex that he's the big boss around there <laughs> and that th- these are my expectations because honestly, I don't see any benefit to ever ha- like doing that to, to players, to your old players. Like you think Harry Kane is going to, is going to do better because you're making him throw up and himself on the field. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> the thing. Like it's okay. So part of it could be a statement. Part of it could be a statement. All right. Like, listen, I'm the boss. Um, sure. We have a great team. We can have like a good relationship, but you gotta, wor- I'm going to work you, right. I'm going to work you to your limit. Okay. Another part yeah. is I, I think, I think fitness is improving. The only yeah. thing that I, I'm going to criticize here is that it was a third session that extent. within it was a third session within 24 hours, and that's the crazy part. I think that's but, what I mean. You're going mean, to have guys are going to get injured. I have two Oscar. points here. I have two points here, and the first one could be that probably he didn't see some he didn't like something that he see, he saw from his players when they returned from holiday, and he's just trying to prove a point and make a statement. And the other one could be more like a tactical approach, like trying to prepare his players because if if we're like try to analyze Conte's style of play when he plays against big teams he's not used to having the balls the players yeah. are used to running so you're going to play against a Manchester City who's going to have 70% possession you're going to have 30 your players are going to be running a lot you're going to be playing I mean, against a Chelsea side that plays a similar kind of football 
So that could be that could be one of the reasons, you know. Trying to I mean, I'm just gonna say, as a coming. player, as a player, if my coach runs me like this, I love it. I'll I love it. I like obviously not during, you know, after I oh, recover, yeah, okay. I'll love it. I think it's good. I think it's good fitness. I think it is because you know what it is. It not only takes you to your limit, but it tests you how far you can last at your limit, you know? And that's the whole thing about these 42 pitch length runs, you know, it's not about, it's not about, can you do it? It's about, okay, maybe your limit is 30. How long can you last after that? Once you're dying, you know, yeah, I think completely. that's, it's good. It tests your players, mental strength and physical uh yeah physical completely you know. disagree completely disagree i think it's, Gio, it's, Gio, it's i'm trying to so, so wait so i'm just trying to piece some stuff together now the last last episode you said you didn't like the body mass index and uh this <laughs> episode you're saying you don't like the fitness drills so i mean so Gio, pretty you much, against fitness no he was an easy player you know just uh <laughs> that's right let the guys live let the guys have some pasta and wine and, and relax. No, no, I'm not saying fitness is extremely important, but looking at the way Conte, like, I'm sorry, but like three training sessions within 24 hours. And then like, to me that I don't see the value in that because again, what I'm saying is, is that you're just going to run, like you run the risk of injury. I don't think that you're improving that. Like, I don't think you're substantially improving their fitness by doing this because i think you're just basically like putting guys in overdrive at this point and you're yeah like i said you're running the risk of of, of possible injuries strains whatever like i honestly think that you take away the 42 pitch runs and i think it's a good enough uh train like more than good enough training um and fitness fitness um uh, uh session but Conte wants to flex. He wants to, he thinks he's, you know, this guy just thinks he's, he's the, the, the greatest thing since sliced bread and he wants everyone to know it. And I, that's what I honestly think is the way he handles it. Um, hey, and I'm sure Jose Mourinho is the exact same way. So I'm not, you know, Boy, trying to it, dunk on Conte. It works. It works, Gio. This is not, not in my opinion. I don't think this is what makes it work. I think that Conte is smart tactically and he's good at adapting to certain yeah, situations. To be, to be, to be smart tactically, to be able to adapt to many situations, the fitness is key. Because okay, if, you're, not... if you're like, say, say, say Ten Hag or Guardiola or, or Tuchel, even if not, if it all, all of a sudden you're forced to play without the ball, your team is not going to perform as well as a, as an Antonio Conte team. Okay, but that's or what Mourinho. I'm saying is, is that I'm talking. I'm not saying that Conte wanting to prioritize fitness is an issue, not at all. But I'm saying going to levels of this extremity is stupid, in my opinion. It doesn't help anything. It's just like saying to like when we were talking about Eric Ten Hag, he wants a structured team and a responsible team. I still think you can achieve that without going to extremes. Same thing with Conte. You want a fit team and you want them to have, you know, extreme, extremely, um, you know, supreme and, and high-end uh, fitness ability. I think you can achieve that without going crazy. And I think he's just going crazy and Conte is a nutcase. So it makes sense. <laughs> I think it's just his process. It's how, so, you know, like there's many ways to reach success. 
to achieve success. And this is just his method, you know, and it's given him great results with Juventus. He won the domestic treble with Juventus. He won four Serie A or three Serie A titles in a, in a row. He came back to Inter, lost the Serie A by one point, then went on to win it next year. You know, he, he came to Tottenham when they should not have made Champions League football and he made Champions League football, you know, and, and I just think it works. So this is why he's doing it. And, and, and I think it's his process and, and you should trust the process. He's not going to be doing this three times a week. He's going he's gonna to do it once in the week and then he's gonna pro probably going to follow it up with a day off or a light session, you know? They also I mean, didn't just have a game. <laughs> if it works for you, keep doing it. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I like it. I like it. But enough about me being right. Let's go to... Um, <laughs> Let's go, let's go to Roma, Gio. Roma um, is Roma, linked, heavily, Roma, linked, Roma. <laughs> heavily linked to Dybala <laughs> now. Uh, we're going to keep this one short because we can't give Gio the spotlight for too long. But Yeah, we've we'll go got to go Chelsea for the next two hours. That's let's, go. <laughs> let's go with Dybala, Gio. Um, how much do you love it? I, do, I, I, I love it a lot. Um, I think it's, honestly, I think going from a guy like Zaniolo... Um, to Dybala is, is is a pretty significant upgrade, and again, none of this is done. Um, none, like you know, like I said, I, until I see him with a scarf at the airport, shaking hands, you know, doing his little medical on the bike, I don't believe it <laughs> until I see it. Um, but I, you know, he adds. I think he's a perfect, perfect fit. Uh, I think alongside Tammy Abraham, it just would be such a incredibly diverse and lethal attack. I think Tammy's kind of your typical poacher in a lot of ways. He can also be your target man, but I think just Dybala's creativity on the ball, his distribution, his long-range ability, I think that he'd be a fantastic link-up player with a guy like Pellegrini, two extremely, extremely talented um, distributors of the ball and, and, and technical dribble, dribblers of the ball. With all the moving puzzle pieces, this makes sense. Not only does it make sense, I think it's going to make Roma a much better team. Um, and I'm real. I would be super excited to see it. I think Dybala, especially he can play, you know, as like a, um, he can play as a false nine. Um, he can even play up the middle. If you ever want to give Tommy Abraham a rest, you can play him with Tommy Abraham in a two, I think would be a really interesting um, or formation for them to play together with. Um, and I just, I'm excited for it. I really am. If it happens. I mean, he knows the league. So I don't think it would be a drastic change for him. He just have to adapt to a new style of play or very, probably a very, not so different. I would say it's not so different, you know? Yeah. So I don't think, I think it would be a great move for him. Obviously he's not going to have champions league, but I mean, he can become one. Not of this year, but next yeah, year. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where I want to go. I think he could become a main piece in the in Mourinho's puzzle, in Mourinho's uh, team, and that could even lead him to more spotlight. You know, which is what he's probably wanting to do, wanting to get. If uh, we're gonna go into the World Cup starting November, I mean, I, I, my only doubt i want to say it's not really a doubt because like i've seen Mourinho really develop some creative players um i don't think i've ever seen a better um number 10 than Mesut Ozil at real madrid under him um di maria was also you know fantastic under Mourinho. so 
I do know that he he's capable of uh, you know, but of it. But also, like Dybala is, he's proven himself in Serie. A, so I do think it's a great signing. Like whichever way you want to look at it, I just hope that he doesn't, you know, because because some some players, some creative players, kind of drop in that sense when they play under Mourinho. So it depends what tactics he wants to use with with uh, this new signing, you know. And and definitely, I think he has to go up top with Tammy Abraham. Um, because because I think it's just how he works better um, or best. He always needs a striker right next to him, or he can also have the freedom to go in behind, join the left flank, the right flank in certain attacks, and and also obviously be the guy you want to feed the ball to um, for that final pass. But overall, I think it's a very good, very good piece of business. And, and if, just if Roma can close it. And just to put your mind at ease there, Chico, um, one thing, <laughs> that's Ricardo's real nickname is Chico. Don't listen to, to Big Chico. Rick. Oh, it's I've, been Big calling Rick. Him Chico, I've been calling him Chico since, since we met at our, uh, well, my former place of employment that will stay anonymous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> but um, just, to, um, just to put your mind at ease there in terms of like the, the creativity possibly stifling under a guy like Mourinho. And honestly, it was a, a real concern of mine from when we hired Mourinho going into the season. But I think a lot of players under Mourinho have actually flourished from a creativity and tactical standpoint. Pellegrini was really given sort of that green light to be kind of a free-roaming player, especially in attack, very fluid in attack. Um, even young guys like Nikola Zaleski, um, you know, were given that opportunity to sort of um, put their skills on on um, on display. So I think a guy like Dybala, when Mourinho elects a player and he's, he elects a player with that much conviction, like he did with Tammy Abraham, he is going to make sure that he builds that project around that player. He was so serious about bringing in Tammy Abraham. You could tell right away that he fell in love with Pellegrini and those guys flourished under him in, 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 in both the creativity and efficiency standpoint. And I think from what I've read that Mourinho is pushing really, really hard to get Dybala. And when, a, when Mourinho wants somebody with that much conviction and, you, and he gets them, that player is, is going to be at, at the front of his plans. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna finish the. So don't you ever uh, say that again. <laughs> we're gonna leave it. We're gonna leave it here. Thanks, Gio. Thank you for clearing everything up. Um, You're very welcome. Now we're, we're just gonna go into stoppage time. All right, give me a an underrated midfielder, past and present edition. So someone who's maybe already retired and uh, one right now. Dude, you gotta give us time to think. Oh no, no, no! Why? This is the whole point. Off the top of your head, underrated right. midfielder. Pass it again. Gio, let's start with you. Who <laughs> <laughs> <To> me? <laughs> yeah. All right. Underrated um, midfielders. Okay, um, I'm gonna go. I'm actually stuck between two guys for um, current, but uh, for me, it's either Marcel Sabitzer um, okay. or. Uh, Ruslan Malinovsky were the two that I was going to say. Ooh, um, all right. Yeah, I would pick Malinovsky. I'm a huge fan of... I think you're right. I think Sabitzer has kind of gained that popularity and is more kind yeah. of in the public eye. Now he's getting more linked with big moves. So Ruslan Malinovsky, I think, um, especially watching City, uh, I kind of have to have to choose one. So All right. What about older, older players? 
Doesn't have to be retired, but just like not in the, in the elite scope right now. Okay, you know? I got one. You're right. Um, I, I would say he's close to retirement, so I think it's good. I'm going to say Radia Nangolan. Um, All right. Decent. Because I, I, I think he was really, uh, I was really upset when he was, uh, was it Roberto Martinez, who's the coach of Belgium? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. left him out when of the, he, yeah, yeah. Especially, I think it was the Euro Cup of, not this past one, but the one before. He left him yeah. out of the squad. Uh, yeah, and that really good. pissed me off. He was, he yeah. is such a, such a dynamite player. So I'm going to go with the other I'll take left. it. Yeah. Oscar? You're gonna say that I'm biased, but I'm gonna go full oh. Man City in this one. I'm gonna go full Fair Chelsea, enough. so go on. <laughs> uh, underrated right now, and I think he's been underrated in the last five years. Is Gundogan? Okay. I don't think I don't I don't think people give him the respect he deserves. He was Man City's best player uh, two I years guess. ago, and okay. he, he's he's instrumental every time he plays. And past uh, Yaya Toure. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that is that a is good a re- one. That I, I is think a Yaya damn good one. Yeah, Tour yeah. was. I think he's been one of the best midfielders yeah. in the history of the Premier League, and I cannot, I cannot debate on this. Ooh. And proof of of how he was underrated was him not uh, winning the Player of the Year back in 2014. Yeah, so let's all remember the season that he had. He had, yeah, I think he scored 24 goals that season in all competitions yeah. or something. Yeah, no, fantastic. Um, okay, son. I'll go, uh, <laughs> I'll go <laughs> full Chelsea, full Chelsea mode. Um, and now, just now, when you mentioned the yeah, Twitter, I kind of also thought of someone else. But um, I want to say Ramirez from Chelsea back then. Who the hell is that? Um, Come on. Come on. <laughs> no. And then, but also, I want to say, I mean, and this one's kind of a current one. Um, it's kind of stuck in between those two. It's Juan Mata when he played for Chelsea. So that version of Juan Mata when Hazard was just just uh, arriving to the club. Um, he had 35 assists that, that first season with Hazard. Um, and another, like, almost, I want to say, uh, close, to, close to 20 goals. He was so good. He was so good. Um, and then current... Gotta be this man back right here, right behind oh, me, Mateo Kovacic. What a player! I think he's one of the best ball carriers uh, that, that in the game right now. Um, and obviously, yeah, one of my favorite players. But I do think that he also has a great um, kind of last pass and the ability to assist. This year, he was robbed of so many goals because Timo Werner, Havertz, Ziyech, Lukaku couldn't score. Um, and I think he would. He's, he really has that in his locker. Let's move you on to who, the second one. Wait, yeah. wait, wait! You know, you know who I thought because uh, I was in between Yaya Toure and Jorge Valdivia from Chile. Ooh, that's a good one too. That's interesting too. Yeah. Ooh, not very common. I start, I, can I um, can I quickly ch- uh, add <laughs> one in? Yeah, um, because you guys you guys added in. Um, players he just gone on to Google. He's gone on to Google now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I actually just just triggered my memory as you guys were talking. Okay. I think he's retired now. Antonio Di Natale. Oh, he was good. Oh too. yeah. He was but there, I, I think he was a striker wasn't he? He was. Yeah, yeah and he was yeah. a one man club. Um, Udinese. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, very just an elite, elite striker who never got the recognition from the from both the national and, and domestic. Yeah, level. yeah. 
Um, okay, second second little dynamic before we go into the starting eleven. This has to be a quick one. This has to be a quick one. Okay. All right. Start bench drop. Didier Drogba, Robin Van Persie, Harry Kane. Start, start Drogba, bench drop. Start Drogba, bench. Uh, Van Nis. Did you say Van Nistelrooy? Van Van Persie. No, re- say the names again. The three names: Drogba, Didier, Van Persie, Drogba, Van Persie, and Harry Kane. Ooh. Start Drogba, bench Kane, drop Van Persie. Oh, that's painful. Gio, exact same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Harry Kane, I, I, Harry Kane yeah. has never won a trophy. Okay, but that's not his fault. Yeah, oh, but I mean, it's, he's got to be impactful <laughs> in the team, you know. He is. He carries that team on his shoulders. <laughs> it's not his fault know, that think, Tottenham's Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, that, if, you could if say if the look same at of Van Persie. If we look and, at stats with and how they are going. I think Kane is projected to finish as one of the top three strikers yeah, with, more, 100%. with more goals in the history of the Premier League. 100%. 100%. So. But he still has never gotten 30 goals in a single season like Van Persie did. That's yeah, a big one point. too. If, if, if you guys uh, didn't get it from what I've been saying and how opposed I am to your view, uh, I'm, ben- I'm, I'm dropping Harry Kane, I'm benching Van Persie and I'm definitely starting Didier Drogba. Um, of course you are Best big game <laughs> striker There was in the Premier League I'm sorry He, he was amazing Okay was starting awesome. 11 Here we go Last little dynamic here We're gonna go um, With So This was Gio actually On our Twitter He started the whole thing um, A couple hours ago So we're just gonna Keep it rolling um, You have to pick One player Obviously, to come up with the starting eleven, so you got to think about the positions you're going with. We actually got one uh, that didn't have a goalkeeper in it, and I was like, "Okay, what's this guy doing?" But um, we had a <laughs> they have the ball the whole time. It's okay. So, so there's eleven nationalities. You can only pick one from each country, and you got to come up with the starting eleven. So the countries were Brazil, Argentina, Portugal, Italy, Spain, Germany, France, England. Netherlands, Croatia, and Belgium. All right, you gotta come up with a starting eleven for those. Gio, let's go with yours first. All right, so you guys are welcome for such great content, by the way, uh, for making this. How <laughs> it beats mine, honestly. <laughs> let's see, um, Gio. So I have um, starting in the goalkeeper position, Manuel Neuer. Um, starting center backs are. Uh, Marquinhos for the Brazilian slot Um, Van Dijk uh, for the Dutch Uh, in my left back position I have the best left back in the world Leonardo Spinazzola (laughs) I I knew that would get a reaction Um, uh, right back I have um, Trent Alexander-Arnold from England in the midfield I have uh, Pedri or sorry no see this is where I messed up Rodri God <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. so Ricky Ricky and I were texting about this I, I get these I get all these names mixed up all the Spanish guys are the same thing so um, uh, Rodri as my defensive presence in my midfield um, alongside Modric and De Bruyne and then yeah. up front I have Ronaldo Messi and Benzema okay um, alright cool that's not as good as mine, but it's decent. Um, Austria, you wanna <laughs> you wanna leave mine for last for last, or you wanna uh, you wanna go last? Uh, let's leave mine for last. Best for last. All right. Yeah, yeah. So they say. <laughs> All right. So um, here is mine. 
uh, goalkeeper for Belgium, I pick Courtois. Um, best goalkeeper there is at the moment, I think. Oh, by the way, we didn't clarify it, but it had to be current players. You couldn't pick anybody who was retired already. Um, yes, so Cour- yeah. Courtois in goal. Courtois in goal. Uh, right back, Reese James from England. Uh, Netherlands pick was Van Dijk alongside Tony Rudiger from Germany. Um, and then Spain left back, Jose Gaia. Definitely not gonna, not, wasn't gonna pick Jordi Alba. So Gaia from Valencia. <laughs> and then in the middle, check this midfield. Um, I went with Verratti from Italy. The man himself, the big man himself from Croatia, Matteo Kovacic. All right, and uh, Bruno Fernandes, Bruno Fernandes from Portugal. Uh, and then up top, I went with Neymar, Brazil, Lionel Messi on the other wing from Argentina, and from France, uh, Karim Benzema. That's pretty good. That is pretty, it's pretty good. pretty good, but okay, tell me what you guys think of this. Donnarumma in goal from Italy, okay. Kyle Walker, England, right back. Uh, Gosens, Germany left back was the only the, the last pick I had, <laughs> and I think it's just the only weak side that you can see. But I had in center backs Diaz, Ruben Diaz, and Van Dijk, Thiago as a holding midfielder, and Modric and KDB a little bit up top, and up front Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar. Up front, me- oh, Messi and Bappen. That was the easy choice. I'm. I want to say that. I was mean, they the are the best choice. There are those are the three best players in the world. Wait, oh, hey, but I mean, what about what about Benzema? What about Benzema? Uh, um, Mbappe or like, Benzema? If we're talking current players, I don't know. I would take Benzema over Mbappe right now, especially as the number nine position. You know. Um, and it was hard because from France you have so much talent. Yeah, you know, from from Belgium, from France. Belgium, like it, it hurt not to put De Bruyne in there. You know, remind me again, what was your midfield? Thiago, Modric, De Bruyne. That is pretty good. I don't know if it's better than my midfield. You know, I think mine's the best by wide margin. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're never gonna agree on this one, but whatever. All right, so guys, this is it. Now we had to run it long because Geo really wanted to do this one even though he knows his team is probably the worst one out of the three <laughs> um we're, we're gonna leave it here all right i had a lot of fun today uh we'll be in again on sunday probably with a new episode but stay tuned for everything stay tuned on our twitter account too make sure you keep interacting with us we're always there geo is always very very much ready to tweet about roma only uh, always baby yeah. You're yeah, welcome. In case, thanks for listening from home, from work, wherever you are. In case you don't follow us on Twitter, by the way, it's at BackroomFooty. Oscar, Gio, nice chatting with you guys. Chico, Richard. Oscar, love it. Chico. Dude, I'm going to have to start calling you Chico. Also. No, I really like the hey. big one. Chico, <laughs> Gio, pleasure speaking with you guys. I'll see you in the next one. All Sounds right, good, fellas. You. Take care, guys. Take Ciao. care, buddy. Bye-bye.